0: and welcome to Boxall Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and love from a queer perspective. I'm Hamish, beauty and the beast,
1: Steele. I'm Jade, ruler of the goblin city, Rose.
2: <laughs> and I'm Melissa, hashtag yes all men trender. <laughs>
1: oh, beautiful in today's episode we're going to be talking about monsters they've been a staple of every culture on the planet and have worked their way into literature into film into tv as soon as each medium was invented we've seen these monstrous figures emerge within them
0: um i was also gonna say music with the monster mash that's
1: <laughs> that, that was the other thing i was thinking of having as my title was jade they did the monster mash runs, but I forgot.
0: um but why are we so fascinated by them um as queer and geeky fans of media, what have they come to represent and how has that changed over time?
1: So, to start, Mel. Hi. What do you think when the word monster is said?
2: Um. So, recently, obviously with Beauty and the Beast coming out, I think the Beast has come back to the forefront of my mind. Um. And especially, and bringing a lot of, like, my childhood feelings about the Beast. And, like, sort of sympathising with... Um, uh, fuck. What's her... Who plays... I, I can't... How have I forgotten Hermione's name? Emma Watson. <laughs> Emma Watson. Uh, Emma Watson's filthy, furry tendencies. Um, <laughs> admitting that uh, the beast is kind of attractive and uh, we're all disappointed when he turns back into the human. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think all... it's
0: disappointing that he just doesn't look the As same. In? Like, he, he could kind of look... Like a beastly man, but he's always quite a... As
1: a astute gentleman. Yeah.
2: Does the beast have blue eyes in the film? Because I think... Yes. Okay, so in the Disney film, the animated one, does he have blue eyes? Yes. Okay.
1: Because it's how she sort of manages to oh, recognise okay. him when he turns back.
2: Yeah.
1: Um,
0: I don't think of that. Yeah. I think of my baby dog... Like good old fashioned little pup.
2: <laughs> you little pup pups. Godzilla!
0: Um, Your baby. It's weird. I think that's what I instantly think of the word. I just think, mm-hmm, my boy. My boy.
1: He's big.
0: Big um, thaz. <laughs>
1: We're getting off topic. This <laughs> is like a fetish episode. <laughs> yep.
0: um, but in recent years, um, I think as more people have come to sort of know kaiju as like a separate definition, I've. Um, I feel like that's what people... Like, that's separate now in my head. Mm. Um, ten, I just tend... When people say monster, I tend to think of um, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Who is the monster and who is the man?
2: The I, eternal question. Um,
0: I think we know now.
2: Mm.
0: Right. <laughs> um, oh, there's that, there's that whole, like, oh, don't you know that Frankenstein's the name of the Doctor and uh, the monster is... The oh, no, I No,
1: Knowledge is knowing that Frankenstein is the monster, not the creature. In wisdom. Wisdom is knowing that Frankenstein is the doc. Yeah.
0: I like telling people. um, Excuse me, sorry. Godzilla is the name of the scientist, not the monster. Jeezie, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, because I'm in a room of people telling me Godzilla facts. Like, oh, did you know this? And I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah. yeah, I know <laughs> yeah. more about this than you do. I know more about this than you do. What do you think about when people say monster? I, I
1: tend to think of like. Monster movies, like those those classics like vampires and werewolves and mm. the creature from the Black Lagoon. That's where my brain goes to the like to the monster mash
0: yeah to like rules. to
1: mummies
2: hammers, hammers. yeah
1: those sort of iconic monsters also the film Monsters vs. Aliens kind of just popped into my head like <laughs> ah! mention me mention me <laughs> so like because I feel like Dr. Cockroach is one of the best fictional characters yeah. in a very long time I think
0: about the universal yeah monster, those sort of
1: staple monster archetypes
0: one of the first cinematic universes yeah um, but that kind of just shows that when you say monster that's a pretty wide variety of things yeah um,
1: Shall I read this lovely dictionary definition that you found?
0: Yes, I think okay. it's dictionary, it might also be Wikipedia, but go ahead.
1: A monster is any creature usually found in legends or horror fiction that is often hideous and may produce fear or physical harm by its appearance or its actions. The word monster derives from the Latin monstrum, meaning an, an apparent occurrence, usually biological, that was taken as a sign that something was wrong with the natural order. Monstrum means a portent or a warning from gold.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean that doesn't quite that doesn't quite limit what we're talking that about.
1: That doesn't like narrow down what we were discussing in the slightest.
0: No, I mean the, the one a couple of things about monsters which I've have heard mm. is they must be fictional because as soon as a monster in the real world gets discovered as fact, it's an animal, it's a creature. Even cryptozoologists won't. They might say like the Loch Ness monster, but
1: that's a name. Not what a they're name.
0: actually looking for is an animal. Um, and the other is that this is less s- common, but a monster is often the only one of its kind, or at least very much the own like, a very much a small group of, uh, not the norm, you know, they've got to be something that in some way subverts our expectations of life, of normality.
2: Mm-hmm. So I was just thinking maybe, uh, not a different de- definition, but, um, Two types of monster, um, being the bestial monster that eventually works into the human, and then the human monster that, like, is has the hidden monster inside. Does that make any sense? Yeah. So. Um, so we're about to beat you in the base. Well, yeah. Um, That's okay. Sort of the idea that you have. So Frankenstein is the. Uh, freakish changed body uh, foreign body that has the human soul and then you have other characters um, that have the human body but then the corrupted and monstrous soul
0: yeah it does seem to be a case in um, that there is like the more monstrous something looks the sweeter it might be Yeah. versus you know the person who walks down the street might actually be yeah, either a metaphorical monster in terms mm-hmm. of the narrative, or like actually an alien of disguise Sorry, or something.
1: The, the beast of the studio. Is, is, uh, uh,
2: speaking of monsters, the cat.
0: The cat purrs. The cat howls. Um, come into
1: the studio for a little while, kitty. Yeah, you, you can sit with me because otherwise, carry on,
0: please, Eva. That's okay. I've, I I sometimes think about monsters in. Three sort of categories of, in terms of how they're used in fiction. Mm-hmm. And I think there's monsters which are used as uh, um, <laughs> obstacles. That's what I was thinking. Which are more, are just like a thing for the heroes to overcome. Um, I think of most, you know, monsters in dragons. video Well, monsters in like video games a lot or like dragons.
1: things. Dragons. Yeah, no, dragons, there's something to be defeated. Yeah.
0: Um, in the classic sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, the
2: classic.
0: Then I think there's monsters as metaphors where they're being used to tell some kind of story. I sometimes see this a lot in Monsters of the Week. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you, Buffy. No, yeah, Buffy. Um, uh, Doctor Who had some ones. They had, you know, the Vincent of the Doctor episode.
1: Supernatural.
0: Supernatural. <laughs> um, it's usually, like, a parallel to what the main characters are going through in some way. Godzilla yeah, Or a, a mirror to it, or... Yeah, Godzilla was a metaphor and... Now fight space aliens.
2: Um,
0: and then the other term, as I think, what we're going to talk about a lot is monsters as characters, um, which I think is recent because I do think nowadays a lot of people relate to monsters in the kind of underdoggy type way. Mm.
1: Um, I think monsters as other, like the outsider beset upon by society Mm. for being different has a lot of resonance and I feel as perhaps people who are or have been othered by society by virtue of birth or by virtue of circumstances there's a lot to empathize with in that situation which I feel is why particularly within uh, the queer community we have a lot of love for these monsters because Mm. they're on the outside like we are Mm. And so it's much easier to empathise with the monster being chased when you're an outsider experiencing some kind of homophobia or abuse than it is to be the crowd with their pitchforks and torches.
2: Yeah. And, you know, bringing back to Indie Tabletop, it's literally called Monster Hearts, you know, where you play the high school students that are more often than not queer and um, dealing with trauma from the outside world.
0: Hmm. Um, I, I think about... X-Men and stuff where mm. yep. um, those characters are monstrous. Characters like the Hulk or mm. the Thing as well where their outward appearance is the thing that pushes people away. But Nightcrawler as well. Yeah. Oh,
2: Nightcrawler. Oh my god, I, I had problem. such a crush on the 90s cartoon Nightcrawler. It's okay. <sighs> I've never
0: experienced this Nightcrawler, love. It's always second hand. <laughs> like, all my friends have with Nightcrawler. Um, so but yeah, that and like and love blue and German. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think the whole monster's character is a monster metaphor. There's lots of blending. Uh, a blend between the two. Um, this is the last time I'm going to mention Godzilla in this episode, because I do think I'm this gonna is ban different.
1: You. No, you, have, you just have to start putting money in the jar. <laughs> <laughs> the Godzilla
0: jar. Um, there's a quote I really like from Ishiro Honda, who directed mm. the first Godzilla film. And he was at the premiere, I think, of... which is one of his many other films. And I think he was asked why people really like the monsters, even though they're usually the villains of these films. And he said that, um, he said, monsters are born too tall, too strong, too heavy. They're not evil by choice. And that is their tragedy. Mm. And I think, of why I love Godzilla films, one of the tonal problems a lot of them face is our heroes who we're meant to sympathise with are trying to stop Godzilla but Godzilla's also the reason we come back to the franchise and we relate to him in some Mm -hmm. kind of small way and I think that is often a problem if you're kind of having it both ways and I think most successfully it's when narratives say the monster's the hero or um,
1: or they work together to.
0: yeah I quite like it when um, you see it a lot in zombie fiction. Um, I also think about it in things like War of the Worlds, when the monst- uh, humans aren't the monster, there's a legitimate thing that's trying to kill them, but it brings out the worst in humanity. And, yeah. um You see, I, I think about Midnight and Doctor Who and uh-huh. that thing attacked their space bus. <laughs> um, and I think that's really interesting that they're a catalyst for... Bringing humanity to a kind of horrible level.
2: Yeah, the ability to corrupt um, the people that come into contact with it.
0: Mm. And there's a. I know I mentioned it just briefly because I can think about it, but like there's a film called Ten Cloverfield Lane.
1: Yeah. Carry on.
0: Cat drama happening in the <laughs> studio. Um, there's a film called Ten Clover. Dan Cloverfield Lane, and I'm not going to say spoilers, but a lot of the film is about how humans are together and how that's the most terrifying thing about the film, mm. whether or not whatever's going outside the bunker is happening or not.
1: Yeah, I, I find it interesting what you were just saying about how the presence of this, this monstrous force, this invading force, produced, that's interesting Like the way fear um, reveals our true selves
2: well I think going back to Beauty and the Beast
0: <laughs> we all um, have our favourites So, fine <laughs>
2: um, I but not even just fear but the excuse of there being an extreme yes being an excuse to be extreme in your own self so mm-hmm. um, you know we're all aware that Gaston is awful Um, but it is the presence of the monster of the beast that allows him the excuse to exercise that that awfulness. Mm.
0: Um, I always see this... This is on one of Hamish's wonderful tangents, you'll work it out in a second once I get to the point. Things. Uh, Justin watched a lot of Forensic Files, the forensic evidence detective show, Mm -hmm. and you see a lot of experts on it. And there's two kinds. And there's one which are like, yeah, we usually see people murder people like this. It's, um, you know, perfectly, like, common. It's just how they do it. And I'm a lot more comfortable with them than the ones which are like, this abhorrent stain on humanity did these abhorrent crimes. And every time they're like that, I'm kind of like, I feel you're trying to... Overcompensate for something, and I feel like there's a a lot of monsters in fiction, like Gaston, uh, like like the Beast, that mm. causes people like Gaston to go on, like really mm-hmm. uh, holier than thou kind of tirades. Holistic. Like I like yeah, I you know, Hunchback of Notre is very much the same <laughs> film yeah. um, or story in some ways, and it's the pre like Frollo is terrifying because he has this conviction that this Mm -hmm. monster is causing him to you know, clearly I'm better than that, so I can behave in this Mm. horrible way
2: yeah, do we think at the moment we're in an upswing where it is fashionable to be massively sympathetic towards the condition of the monster
1: I think we're still very much in the upswing well, maybe less so but there's still a lot of fiction going around with Um, if you look at the popularity of something say lucifer which is the devil
2: yeah
1: like can you get more monstrous than somebody that reveals the worst parts of humanity and for example but i think we're still in the upswing of vampires still are still very popular but it's an interesting way you put that because i feel like in a lot of these fictions the monstrous has become the mainstream Mm -hmm. and so it really doesn't fill the same role that monsters have in fiction before because if everybody's if everybody's an outsider no one
2: is <laughs> well, i think maybe the role of the monster is actually now being taken over by capitalism like if we're looking at
1: or white boy privilege
2: well yeah which well, is a good
1: i don't know because
2: i think it's a good thing but like when we think about the villains we have seen
1: as of late like kylo ren yeah um and uh what's his face in the new ghostbusters movie that position yes. of privilege
2: yeah 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 actually i was i wasn't thinking about that at all but those are those are really really good but no i think um, you're right like examples. evil forces are like capitalism or yeah like. we're looking at um the freakish outsiders in uh, young adult fiction the freakish outsiders um you know district 12 mm-hmm. uh, the um divergent that mm-hmm. kind of thing fighting against fighting the monster the of the system mm. um i mean there, there's i wonder what might be happening in the world to produce <laughs> such a it. <sentiment. laughs> but yeah there's a the discourse that actually it's topical um, uh, i read a fantastic article that was about how uh it what it was an extremely right-wing version of a dystopian future um i'm talking nonsense now. i can't pin mm-hmm. it down but Um, no, I've lost it. That's okay. Well,
0: we were we're talking about monsters and villains quite interchangeably. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's kind of interesting about all these characters is that there was a time when it was absolutely a vampire as a bad guy, obviously. And that's no longer the case in kind of any sense. We tend to want to know the characters' motivations or what they're doing. We don't tend to... Judge people's characters based on what they are in fiction. In hmm. writing these characters, I'm. Um, I'm interested in Phantom of the Opera. Again, I keep talking about Quasimodo and the Phantom as monsters. I only they're not.
1: No,
2: they're just deformed different, humans. Yeah, and oh, they are being uh, classed as monsters in the yeah. opera. Yeah, because, because of because being... of
1: their visual. Like, come to come back to that original definition. It was like a physical. There's something about them physically. That makes them other.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I find it interesting how over time the way the the Phantom and how much we are supposed to sympathise with him changes based on adaptations. Mm. Sometimes he is a full on stalker, creepy, you know, Mm -hmm. murders. He always murders people. Yeah. But one of my favourite films, Phantom of the Paradise,
2: um,
0: I like that because I think it's one of the few times when I do think I'm really on
1: the Phantom side. Yeah. Um, But you knew him before he became the Phantom.
0: Yeah, and that's an, that is a kind of thing I've heard discussed because <sighs> should we talk about our monsters and ableism?
1: Yeah, I was about to yeah. say we've been. So, I was just about to bring up the whole monsters um, as metaphor for disabilities within physical. Uh, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's profess by saying all of us are able-bodied. <laughs> and there's a thudding on the wall. Thank you, <laughs> neighbourhood. But, uh, but yeah. Sure, sure. Well, apologies for the no knocking I'm on. Hear, the it's ex- fine. Yeah, no, well, it, it's a good microphone. It'll probably get picked <laughs> up. But yeah, um, all of us are able bodied. And I, while I, I, I'm pretending to speak for Mel, I, I, um, I'm certainly not neurotypical. But that's really not what we're talking about here. So I just want to explain the position we're in before mm. we get too much into the discussion points. Yep, yep.
0: Yeah, I was always... I'm only defining the Phantom and Quasimodo in those terms because that's how they're used in the story. Yeah. And it's very interesting that that was enough. Like, mm-hmm. it, like Phantom of the Opera is basically the story about how someone with an atypical face is the source of like people's genuine terror and like nightmares all he has to do is take off his mask and people faint and scream but there's
2: the phantom of the opera was written at a time where a lot of people were coming back from war uh when surgery was at the point where they were starting to be able to save people that had really disfiguring um uh, wounds mm. but they were still living and still existing in society so in the same way that um, vampires are a fear of the upper class, zombies are a fear of the lower class um, the, the phantom is a fear of that phenomenon that had just come into um, our society
1: I think that's interesting, it's something that we've got written down, um, how monsters are a reflection of the fears of the time that the monster was came into being and how as our fears Shift as a society, how the portrayal of those mon- those specific monsters changes, and how we create new ones.
2: Yeah, and how fascinating it like the the um, sympathy with vampires being a fear of the upper class, but then with stuff like how what we do in the shadows and mm. uh, only lovers left alive, the sort of more sympathetic look at the existence of the vampire and how, like, as a um, if we're saying that these are a reflection of our current society's attitudes towards these monstrous forms, mm. it's interesting. And off the back of, um, you know, 10 years of absolute zombie saturation in our markets. Mm. Um, I don't
1: know. I know the zombies are an interesting thing because what zombies represent has changed over the course of the genre, which is so interesting. Do we Me. think
2: so? Talk yeah. more about Well, that. I
1: can't, I there's been lots more interesting discourse uh, shouldn't have said discourse (laughs) shouldn't have said that Um, but no there's lots of really interesting essays out there to be read but how like I forget about the first Day of the Dead but the one where they're in the shopping mall it's about like consumer blind consumerism when you come up to Shaun of the Dead it's about apathy
2: Mm -hmm. like but it's still something to do with the masses I think at the crux of it zombies are all about bodies yeah but what you were saying
1: about how the maybe the people in power and the people without power, the sort of, again, is that fear of people en masse, but the masses are about something different, which is an interesting thing. Like, same shape, different Mm. motivation.
0: I mean, Night of the Living Dead, which wasn't the first first zombie film, but it's the first George A. Romero popular thing, is a very interesting Mm. film in terms of class and race and everything Mm. um it's famous for um being quite an old film with a black lead actor Mm. main character and just and it was was, he was chosen because he was the director's uh friend who was the best actor so it was like so you play the main character and how about sort of Hamish hey, ch-
1: I feel that's a lesson that you need to learn from the really <laughs> past future just saying
0: I'll bear that in mind but like it's <laughs> it's you. very interesting like it, that changes the film completely makes it about something completely mm. um, it just it makes everything seem like I think yeah, zombies are always about the masses, but I think each individual film has often thing has like focused on something mm. a different element of that. Mm, yeah. um,
1: but I think we're kind of getting away from them because we're now talking about sort of more horror and because I was about to mention the Get Out, uh, not yeah no Get the, Get Get Out. out. So yeah. we were talking we've been talking about the the, the Get Down as well, <laughs> but talking about like the intersection of race and monsters. again we are white folk and we are very aware that we are white folk but i don't think that can be ignored either when talking about the threat of the other Mm
2: -hmm. to come
1: back to that and like the things that get produced by a nation or industry
2: yeah so tying that back into creating Mm -hmm. monsters or the ableism or any of the isms involved in creating something other um i uh do the art for a comic called brigantia written by chris moll um we did a kickstart for it and i've been working on that for um a while now and um, one of the main antagonistic force um Viteris, um turns into a monster spoilers um, for the final fight and um the the creation of, of his monstrous form as something that must be corrupt and repulsive was really interesting. Trying to fit that in, and like thinking about the fat phobia angle of um, create, of uh, wanting to create something huge, yeah, that um, cool. and and something that that is so because Briganti, who's the main character, is always is larger than every other character in the book. So to add to the threat level at the end, something therefore must be bigger than her. Yeah. Um doing that, and then also the colour of the skin of the monster, you know, um not want and then uh having Viteris as um uh not wanting him to be white because he's a God and gods can have any color skin and having, you know, but also obviously not wanting to him to have any kind of dark color skin to imply the correlation between otherness and blackness. Mm-hmm. Um And then loads of other stuff like that. Um, and like thinning hair as well. And anything that kind of like a subversion of beauty, a well, subversion of beauty standards anything implied as being disgusting. Um, yeah, I
0: mean, I was recently um, trying to work out how to represent some enemies in the game with someone. And um, we want to subvert sort of vampires, uh, or just, like, make a scary vampire. And the their person I was working with's impulse was to draw this, like, skeletal, thin pale woman with like thinning hair and I was just like that's not surprising or interesting but also it doesn't make I don't I don't feel scared of that I feel scared of people
2: yeah
0: like I'd be scared if that was floating towards me (laughs) yeah um but I don't know I it it is this comes under a wider thing of trying to make like progressive horror yeah is really
1: tough yeah um, I think this is why I don't say it becomes easier that's why like humans are the truly monstrous ones and yeah. like the ones that we're well there. I'm like
2: number number one thing that I'm scared of is a man that is larger than me standing too close to me you know oh. like but that's mm. not particularly something that you can translate to a wider audience
0: that and bugs
2: <laughs> that and bugs
0: Big <laughs> bugs um, but even then like I don't know I, I've come across this as well doing a even though it's not really a horror comic, I try and do horror elements in my webcomic. I think about this all the time, just like, how am I representing the character? Um, and I feel like sometimes you have to embrace the fact that I feel bad about the fact that this is making me uncomfortable. Yeah. Because that's part of finding fear in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: so we tried to do this sort of thing with Viteris um, in his human form. How does he present in the modern day? Um, we sort of bandied around the idea of having him appear as a homeless person to uh, play off of the fact of our unnecessary fear. Like, if he, if this is a character that embodies fear, he must be something that our society is base, scared of. Mm-hmm. But then, as a creator if I'm saying this character is a scary threatening character and then putting him in the form of a homeless person is read completely differently Mm. Um, and there, you know uh, I think a lot about this all the time and there's not a lot of space in what is essentially a fun fantasy romp. Like, you know, you can listen to this and think, what is this strange comic that's going to be all about introspecting and navel-gazing? But it's not. It's a, you know, a really tall, thick woman punching people. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Thick in the sense of biceps and not... uh Yeah. I think while we're talking about the other and monsters, it's so often
1: um while physicality is it's their behavior and then you run into the risk when creating but also it's something that i felt deeply uncomfortable with when a villain is uh, sorry a villain a monster is portrayed with traits similar to certain mental illnesses mm-hmm. or um arrested development and then i'm sat as somebody with, uh, with autism i'm immediately like why did you make this choice and the whole thing about uh, this is something—the uh, whole mad scientist trope—as mm-hmm. the most human monster of all.
2: Uh-huh.
1: As something that I've tried to move away from using. I tried. This oh, sorry. With, that's all right with my increasing awareness of language choices. While people know when you say "oh, a mad scientist," they know what you mean. It's become shorthand. It's a trope, but so often monsters behave in a way that is alien or strange. To human, and that's part of why they're ostracized even if they don't look maybe that different their behaviors make them off off putting and so often those behaviors are portrayed as things like well no that's a person with autism mm-hmm. that is a person the demonization of schizophrenia
2: Ugh.
1: is horrifying and persistent
2: it's not funny it's not clever
1: yeah and so <laughs> this demonization of, of mental illness and like processing disorders and things like that and then applying those to monsters. Again, you run into a similar sort of thing. Like, it's those two sides.
2: Well, I think something that, um, if we go back to the topic of humanising monsters, um, something Hamish was saying um, ages ago about LeFou and his gayness being the humanising aspect, in the right hands, Mm -hmm. um, uh, those characteristics could be something that humanises the character. because that is something that humans do experience, I
0: don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think of... If... Something like the Phantom, the fear isn't necessarily the face, it's the fear of becoming like that. Or, yes. like, in a, in a way, like... That's kind of what vampires are, in that you're scared of... Zombies not just, too. Yeah, you're not just them, it's scared of becoming that. It's the
1: contamination. And okay. it's, like,
0: the only thing I can really thing to justify like it does bug me how villains and I am saying villains rather than monsters in this segment this section just so many of them have to have some kind of facial wound or something it's an
1: outward sign of villainy
0: to show they are a villain and that's
2: bullshit yeah
0: I mean the only thing I can think of is that it's done so that because you're scared of what of how that must feel, or something, I don't no. know, but it's just it's lazy shorthand. And
1: yeah, well, a point for creators out there, um, put your good guys with stuff like this. Yeah, mm. it's like, um, I have um, a character I play, one of my D&D characters, he does fall into that eccentric scientist trope, but fantasy. Um, my, my description for is imagine across between imagine if Doc Brown and Gillian Holtzman combined and then was shrunk down to three foot two that's basically my character but um she has a prosthetic leg Mm. and she is deaf in one ear and heavily scarred on that side she has this massive scar across her neck and face that's like the color of ink you cannot miss it she's chirpy as all fuck Mm. she's deaf on one side so maybe don't sneak up on her but she walks with a a mobility aid and she has a prosthetic that she built herself because that's kind of her thing but it's very much a part of how when I talk about that character, I purposely... And arguably, arguably, she's the most morally upright person in that group. And she's the one that outwardly, you might say, this is the person that's basically invented a gun and is heavily scarred and has a a prosthetic. Like, change the game. Make your own Mm. rules on these things. Because that's... By changing the tide on these things, that's how we can have progress but we're getting off topic It's so often the way here a Books not included
0: well this topic just feels massive because
1: uh, there's so much every
0: single about. element of monsters is its own discussion i think i'm very Keep your eyes
1: peeled for the spin-off monster podcast
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just feel like i i get very fascinated in talking about monsters in the term in the sense that how they're used in writing like this is like
1: as in the role of the monster.
0: Yeah, because they—that is often a different role to the villain. Mm. Um, I mean, I what when I think when I think of monsters, I also think of being human. Uh, um, because, in a number of ways, monster uh, being human is a good game along with house salting and yeah. uh, and. Um, We're
1: going to answer it in a second.
0: <laughs> and. Uh, Avatar. Uh, uh, like Avatar. Like bending. Bending. Um, and I think that's a very interesting show. Um, one of the first... I, re, so I, re, I, I liked the first series, but the episode where I was like, oh, okay, this show is my favourite show ever, was when... um know I've forgotten all the characters because it was so long Mitchell, ago. Mitchell, George, and So Rani. Mitchell was sort of hanging out with that young girl
2: yeah. as,
0: like... I like babysitter in a way. Yeah. And then, um, when someone realized that he might be a vampire or something, uh, like the town turned against them and they had to basically move. And mm. yeah.
2: Um,
0: back in the day when that came out, by far wasn't the first thing to do this, but that definitely was one of the first things I saw, which was like, vampires can be normal people and mm. good, and they're trying their best. Um, but they have a problem. They have something they have to keep uh, a tabs on, um, and so in that, for people that don't know, the show is about a vampire and a werewolf and a ghost living together. And even though the show builds its own mythology and keeps it on those monster sort of brands quite strictly, there's a lot of metaphor fun you can read from it. Um, I wish I genuinely wish the show had more actual representation mm-hmm. um, you know you can say oh it's a good you know metaphor for being queer or whatever but
1: none of them actually well Mitchell's kind of in the way the bise- in vampires are frequently bisexuals because yeah. bisexuals are villainous creatures
2: uh, yeah because
1: we don't care about your gender Inherently we just want your body yeah. slash blood <laughs> And how becoming a vampire means you suddenly don't care and you want to mac on everybody.
2: Oh, I do want to mac on everyone. But But there is
1: an interesting thing. I to apologise to divert slightly. Um, what was I watching? Ah, uh, Vampire Reviews, which is a really fun series by, um, Alyssa Hansen, where she talks about vampire movies. Um, But she was talking about how um, I believe she was specifically talking about Anne Rice's vampires and Mm -hmm. how you lose your sexuality because you can't get it up anymore. I'm paraphrasing. But your physical attraction to people goes away. It becomes bloodlust. And bloodlust knows no gender. And I thought, well, that's a fun way to justify that all your vampires are bisexual. I can live with that. But it was an interesting discussion to talk about how they're both bisexual and also asexual because they're not interested in physical
2: intercourse. Or aromantic.
1: Yeah. That's not what they're interested in. Sorry, I, I these guys are dealing with the fact that I'll keep pulling faces because there is somebody drilling on the other side of the wall of the studio. Home studios. We sound, yeah,
0: we sound great. Um, I find um, werewolves to be among the most uh, metaphor... I don't know what mm. how the sentence is being Metaphorical? Well, the ones that people go to the most to make metaphors about. Yeah. Um, again, it bugs me because they don't think to put representation in. The only time I can think of when I'm thinking, like, all my complaints about being human in terms of queer representation was solved by the show In the Flesh, mm. um, which is like, what if be, like, what if being a zombie was a metaphor for being gay? And also the characters were gay, <laughs> not, like, Ivor or. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: it's something I wish the X-Men films would do. Yeah. Um, as well as the comics. Yeah. Um, but I think it's very interesting that over time it's become... It's not even, like, subverting anything anymore to have, mm. like, a good character be a vampire. Like, nowadays to have a witch be a villain is, like, a pretty radical <laughs> political... Like, yeah. what are you trying to say with that? What
1: are you trying to say about women?
0: Yeah, it's it's assumed when you say witch nowadays you mean, like, a cool girl with magical powers. Mm.
1: Um, well, I Rosenberg, you've got a lot to <laughs> <laughs> Um
0: And it's kind of interesting that I think that's happening with everyone, like... When you say werewolf, I still think of like howling at the moon and killing for things. But I also assume that there's some kind of innocent, tragic person behind it all.
1: Yeah, that's I think about when I think about werewolves. um, It's still this ongoing thing of the werewolves curse, and with the majority of werewolf media, they aren't in control of themselves Mm. when they become that. And I think there's the inherent tragedy of werewolves is they lose control of themselves. And there's a whole thing to be said about the bestial, primal nature of man and, and, and like, falling to your baser instincts that feels very judgy. Um, but also, I suppose it, I, I'm veering back and forth, as I do, but um, I mentioned contamination earlier. I wish I knew more about the portrayal of monsters during, like, the AIDS crisis and mm. things like that because the thing is we are scared of these things and being made to be one of them and like with vampires and with what is being bitten it's by being your blood is being contaminated and yeah it makes me really glad that vampires and werewolves have existed longer than that cuz i get the feeling that they definitely may have come into an existence then
2: um I don't know. Yeah, so I think um the idea of uh werewolves being the beast within being an inherently um masculine trope. Have you seen ginger snaps? I love ginger snaps <laughs> I love ginger snaps. And how actually when sort of um werewolves are a really interesting thing that you do with men and the loss of control and the basic primal urge Which and is, the pack mentality. Bizarre given the moon. Given that actually um, it is a a moon uh, lunar lunar base and therefore belongs to women, obviously. The the, Um, the feminine
1: powers and
2: something that i am interested in um is the uh representation of monster as something that belongs to the masculine instead of the feminine Mm. because women are not allowed to look monstrous or to be monstrous and are very rarely given um storylines or at least redemptive storylines in which they are allowed to be ugly um and Mm. still be useful worthwhile valued members of um Whatever media they're in,
0: mm. um, it's yeah. just in. As a gay person, the patriarchy can I
2: just say,
0: as a as a gay man, yes, I'm a gay. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, I have never quite understood sexy evil. So, uh-huh. the first time I really started thinking about it was in an episode of Torchwood called Cyberwoman
2: Oh god! Possibly
0: the worst thing. Possibly the worst
1: Torchwood <sighs> episode. Um,
0: and in that you it establishes that cybermen are are converting humans you see several corpses which are really grim of men who have like big metal wounds coming out of their face and scars everywhere and then you meet the cyberwoman who has who is meant to be one of those people but half converted yeah there's not a scratch on her she Uh has high heels
1: um, it's She's ridiculous. wearing like
0: a silver bra. She looks really dumb. Like it, it's like the worst design I've ever seen. And she's got big side man handles, and like, I ne- that was the most extreme form of this. But you see it everywhere, and I've never quite understood what they're trying to do. Like, because I don't know, I don't, I, I don't.
2: You don't feel attracted to women, so you don't I don't like have the, that
0: like that fear of being attracted to evil. Type. Have you never
2: been attracted to an evil male villain? ugh, no. But I, I think it's very <laughs> different. Like, evil male villains are definitely not sexualized in the same way that no, evil no, female like, villains agreed. are sexualised. Um, but also, um, if evil male villains are hypersexualized, it is in a really homophobic way. Yeah. Um, Again, they want everything. And everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, so, like, with monsters, it feels like whenever you see any kind of monster, it has to be a he unless it's like, Ver- like the, it's basically the design version of like having the big bow and the eyelashes. Yeah, so I
2: wonder if it links into the concept of the the pure joke. Um I don't know if anyone uh, well so I know you both know this but the uh, the Bojack Horseman thing of um uh was not, this idea does not belong to Bojack Horseman but was talked in. about yes. in discussing jokes and Bojack Horseman Uh, the best joke is the most pared-down joke at the simplest joke. And um, because men are seen as the default, jokes um, about men are the simplest version. So there was the scene where um, a dog was dribbling on somebody else and someone said... Can we make them that dog a woman? And the man was like, "No," because it would complicate the joke. Because it being a woman adds an extra layer of complication, as opposed to um, it being the default joke yeah. of a dog. Dribbling. Man walks
0: into a bar. It's about what's going to happen in the bar. A woman walks into a bar. It's, it's a about drink. a
2: joke about being a woman. Yeah. So, do you think that actually maybe because you can't have because a- the monster is the metaphor. Having a female monster is muddying the metaphor.
0: It's going to be a monster about something to do with yeah womanhood, femininity. <laughs> femininity. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's, inter- it, it's interesting. It's interesting because I hate this, and I also don't know how to escape it when.
2: Well, you've got to flood the market. Yeah, mm. that's how you get rid of it. I suppose, like uh, to talk about
1: Ginger Snaps, which I believe are written by. Women? I want to say. No idea. But bloody hope so what's interesting uh, one is it's te- it's a teenage girl um, who is bitten by a werewolf and what's interesting is at first she sort of becomes sexy but it's more like her confidence her transformation is not pretty <laughs> and it's one of the few instant because I was literally just racking through my brain thinking female monsters that aren't pretty
2: I live for women being visibly. Um, beaten up in films like furiosa at the end of mm-hmm. mad max i don't remember ever seeing a woman going through a an action film where mm. she has ended up looking like genuinely like she has gone through the the whole of the film you know um i will say that happened
1: less with the first alien movie but aliens and it, uh, ripley looks like sweaty and beaten down like she's been working but again we're moving that's not a a monster example permission
2: for women to look muscular. but I I think
1: this is frequently an issue you see with character design with things like aliens as well like the male is allowed to be monstrous and the, the woman is like one step barely removed from base human with maybe pointy ears or pointy yeah, teeth or yeah. different
2: colored skin you've always got to ask the question can i fuck it
1: mm,
0: um, <laughs> well it's interesting because in in aliens you have the alien queen, queen. and that's terrifying it's me yeah. as a kid i
1: think if you get totally away from human like um i've been listening to the the kind rewind and they were talking they're working their way through season one of buffy and they're talking about um, the, 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 the teacher's pet, which is the one with the praying mantis. But well, what I find is... When you get a white... Sexy, sexy, sexy transformation, totally unrecognisably human, now they're a monster. But
0: they're also probably obsessed with reproduction.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Truth.
0: Like, the alien queen is there because they want to have lots of eggs in the plot. Yeah. And um, doesn't the praying mantis want to...
2: I think she, that's an egg mate. one as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. she she, to, she has to mate with Xander. She mates, yeah. then she kills. Yes,
0: and it's weird. Like doing a plot about a male monster that wants to mate with things would be a mm. very different story. I mean,
1: I, oh, that that would fucking they're, terrifying. They're, I think that's also out there and is mm-hmm. there's this uh, there's this whole new trend at the moment about uh, I want to say it's called they call it stealthing or something. Guys who take condoms off during sex. Ooh.
2: Yeah, I mean that's just another form of rape.
1: But yeah, that was kind of the point. There, people yeah. saying there's this new trend, which everyone was going. This is rape.
2: Oh my god, god. it's called a trend. Oh that's yeah, this there's this, this. No, it's
1: like this thing that is becoming a becoming a thing. And it's oh.
2: yeah, no. Oh, society is disgusting. But yeah,
1: no, I was just trying to think more about female monsters and yeah, when whether on. it's like about. Mating, or whether it's about still about being a f- woman because um, I mentioned Monsters vs Aliens earlier, and is it Susan the yeah. woman who gets turned into a giant woman?
2: Yeah. And what um,
1: I want to do? It's <laughs> <laughs> We're Stephen Universe fans here at Boxman included. You knew this, but um, <laughs> but all she wants to do is like be back to normal, so she can be with her fiance. Yeah. Wanted um, to be fair. If I was turned into a fifty person, I would probably want to shrink down. Though I might, you know. Work out a way to cause some death and destruction process <laughs> getting back to normal.
2: Other really actually good representation of uh, lady monsters mm. spoilers for Moana yeah um, Tafiti' no, no well Tafiti and then Tekar um, was one of the most beautiful things mm. that I have ever seen uh, because I picked up on um, the first time we see Takar, I saw the design, because the depiction of Dakar, before we see the actual form, is quite masculine yeah. um, in the same way that all of the other depictions of the monsters are quite blocky and yeah. masculine. And then when we see Takar, mm. I was looking at the design, I was like, oh, this is a really interesting design because actually it's quite spindly. The face is actually quite thin. Mm. I'm really enjoying this lava monster which we associate with like mountains, bulkiness, lava, yeah. magma being quite a thin monster. Mm. But I I just thought it was interesting character design, not that it was linked obviously to the the final I, I did not see that coming and then when you have that reveal I've literally got goosebumps thinking no, about no, it just like there. oh god like she, it's so beautiful and yeah. it's yeah. so well done the, and the message
1: of you on they do not define you they've you know who you the heart are from inside, inside of you, you but
2: that does not define you I, Hamish was sat next to me when that happened <laughs> I, I just gasped and I know. <laughs> yeah But how cool is that? Because she is terrifying in the film and it's the strength of one woman recognising and not getting really emotional. Oh, (laughs) Oh I've cried. I've cried recording this before. Yeah, and like the strength of one woman acknowledging the pain of another woman and the damage that that woman is doing because she is in pain and because she is trying Mm. to defend herself from that pain and regain a part of herself. Yeah. Uh, that makes her a monster she is a monster in that film yeah. and then she is redeemed
1: she's not destroyed she yeah. is
2: changed restored yeah she is
1: restored back to herself
2: oh, yeah so like that like that is how you do a female monster but then again i guess that is linked to being a woman because it is a yeah you know, it's a metaphor for sexual assault you know and mm-hmm. um whilst it's still it's beautiful and i uh, you could you could do it with a male character it mm. would be interesting but I, I don't know um, I think there's something about the choice of having the mother goddess yeah losing their
1: heart yeah. I
0: wouldn't want I wouldn't want to see that exact thing with men I would love to see things where men solve their differences by understanding each other yeah. and like I'd love to see a scene when two men do that like touching heads. thing oh, the like, stranger oh. like that would be sweet cook and each
1: dif-
2: other food
0: yeah like a like a, a different thing
2: yeah um uh, also, a shout out actually, if we're talking about female monsters, uh, Fem Frequency does a really good episode on um, uh, sexualization of female monsters and female villains in video games, um, mm-hmm. which is really good.
0: As, a thing I was hearing about talking about racing, I don't know if you guys, I've never talked to us about you, so I'm not patronising, I just don't, you don't know, about the Borg Queen.
2: Mm. Um, I don't know anything about. So in Star, Star Trek, Trek, they
0: introduced the Borg, and they're these like. Um,
2: Cyborgs? Yeah, they're. they're, part, they're part one. Yeah, I know about them, but I've not They're literally
0: just it. the Cybermen done a bit better.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and they have like no personality, no anything, like no emotions, no identity. And then they introduced the Borg Queen, which goes. Which I love as a performance, but goes yeah. completely yeah. against the Borg as this like hive mind, and she's kind of sex sexy and has all this kind of personality and she's got more skin than mm-hmm. any other ones showing and
1: that makes you've got to make a point to wonder if she looks that way because she thinks that would be the best way to appeal to humans yeah I mean from a design point of view it's by created by men and so the trickle down effect but mm. one could make find an interesting analysis to be made and Uh, of perhaps a female monster that chooses to look a certain way but again it'd be one thing if it was created by women but because these things are created by men
2: you can't divorce that aspect of it well I guess I mean this is one film that I think is criminal that I've not seen but stuff like Jessica's body I need um, to see that film. And uh vagina dentata teeth. 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 Yeah, and teeth like I mean we're getting a little bit off topic from classical monsters but but they are women as monsters. Uh, women feels like a monster with sexuality film. As, the... uh, as a weapon that they use um mm. to their own ends yeah. um, and are still I guess monstrous. Raw is another film I do really want to see. Teeth um, feels
0: like a um monster film and its structure and it feels like a werewolf film Or yeah. like mm. you have the kind of the attack scenes and the yeah. everything mm-hmm. um i just think everything every like minute of this podcast feels like a topic in itself yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, i mean
1: if you guys if there's a particular aspect of this discussion you've enjoyed and you'd like us to sort of expand on please uh, let us know because this is something that's deeply interesting we could maybe get some people who've maybe studied some about it to talk um, more. Is there anything else in particular points we want to? Do we want to take a step to possibly one of our favourite places,
0: imagination, imagination
1: corner. corner? <laughs> oh my God. It's been a while since we've been to imagination corner.
0: Yeah, um, we put away we put away our toys. It's almost home time, and it's time to sit down and think about how we would be in this topic. First um, off,
1: being human question. Because there's three of us here, we have to decide who is the vampire, who is the werewolf, and who is the ghost. Oh,
2: um, Mitchell, George, Annie. For those people that can't. Oh yeah, see them, gosh, I'm Sorry. I think that I am Mitchell, the vampire. Uh, I think that Jade is George, the werewolf, and I think that Hamish is Annie, the ghost but I, I'm tied with Hamish and uh, Jade, I'm not sure. I
1: was going to definitely put Mel as the vampire. <laughs> I felt that was a given. Why do you think you're a vampire?
2: Out of the... Ca- so if it was define yourself as a monster outside of being human... Uh-huh. We're talking
0: I being given be rules rather
1: than the actual
2: character. As in ghost, werewolf, vampire, not specifically that ghost,
1: that vampire, that werewolf. I
2: think that Mitchell is uh, has a lot of internal conflict and he's about a lot of pain. And dark past. He's got dark past, and I, uh, I'm just a slut for pain, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, I do identify a lot with the werewolves, you know, because I will literally rip you apart um, if you hurt me or my to children. Be fair, I've also seen <laughs> what the vampires do in that series. That is true. So, yeah, I don't know. I And also, I'm thirsty as fuck. So, I don't know. think I'm
0: a vampire, but I can, I can make up good arguments for werewolf or ghost. Same.
1: I would have gone... I feel slightly more inclined towards werewolf purely because I have these very extreme mood swings sometimes.
0: I similarly have uh, moments that I don't feel in control of. Mm. And I feel like I'm always... I think also because werewolf, in being human, Mm. the whole hiding that you're a werewolf is very much represented and very kind of like being closeted.
1: Actually, that's vibe. quite. Yeah, given thinking about how being human, like I do feel like quite stagnated in my life in a lot of ways, like maybe not being able to move on for varying reasons, and that does appeal. Like, so maybe I am the ghost searching so for your. Fit, unfinished business. And
2: you made me a cup of tea earlier. I so. do make banging tea. That's one of my <laughs> um, Oh, I like that. Oh, I want to draw us all a uh, being human. Gang now.
1: <gasps> More box not included fan art. More <laughs> <laughs> oh, box not included fan art. Um, but outside of the the being human trifecta, are there any monstrous archetypes or particular creatures that you've always felt drawn to or mummy. <laughs> ones that you particularly like or if you were in a monster movie like say 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 if it was maybe more of a fun well no it doesn't have to be a fun one or a serious one but
2: literally like is there a particular monster that chimes with you so i can't believe that we've actually not mentioned this at all but um Something that is uh, similarly having a sort of renaissance in its coolness, but mermaids. Yes. Like, proper drag-you-to-your-death mermaids. Yeah, sirens drag you
1: down, pull your flesh from your bones. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So, like... Are uh, you you saying you're um, a man-eating mermaid? Maybe. Uh, Margaret Atwood's mermaid poem? No, no, siren. That's her sirens, and that's a fantastic poem Mm. uh, about luring, like, the one thing that men find completely alluring is i don't know how to do this
1: yeah no i remember seeing that great comic about different ways sirens are yeah. like, oh, i can't build this cabinet yeah oh no I, the shopping is too heavy i have this opinion about the thing but i don't really
2: understand <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah like mermaid sirens but also uh selkies are kind of giving oh, me life at the moment yeah really. that's okay. my input
1: I love how they're all very water related yeah
2: I, I think I've got influence from a very close friend of mine oh, shout out to Becca Champion mm. she also gives me life Hamish hey, um
1: <laughs> <laughs> I
0: robot <Aww. laughs> I don't know I really I, I want to be on brand and say like the Lake Placid crocodile or something something like a big animal that's just innocent yeah that like doesn't mean to cause harm, but just is a bit too big, a bit too strong, a bit too. I actually, in a way, like so. When I first got to know you, yes, um, you and Michaela yeah. in the corner looked like, like the cool queer group crew I wanted to be ate with. But I was scared that my appearance as like a jumpers and <laughs> like, I never dyed my hair. I had like any yeah. kind of piercing or anything I would come across as like I, w- I would be the other in that situation yeah. and so I sometimes I sometimes I feel like I'm over aware of like what I'm bringing to a room oh, how so are you, you
1: saying are? you'd be are you saying you're the token mortal in this monster ah. movie no, uh, I, I, I was thinking like a big fat crocodile no but.
2: you're a
1: crocodile <laughs> where crocodile
2: <gasps>
0: I'm killer croc oh.
2: <gasps> but not less killing chunky, more chunky hugging boy
0: Chunky boy, (laughs) I'm I'm happy croc, huggy croc,
2: huggy croc. All right, come on, Jade.
1: I'd be a changeling. Mm. Um, I could go on in great detail about why the changeling mythos is very important to me as a person, but I also can be very capricious, and I'm obsessed with names and the power of names and how names shape things and i've always felt a very strong draw to forests Nice. so yeah i'm an, uh, Yeah, if i was to amp it up it'd be some kind of arch fay fucking with your business nice but i'm um, i have a big thing about the fae and i would definitely be one of the fair folk <laughs> less so uh, less yeah. than fair folk i know ready to I, fuck with your shit
2: i know i said that i you know mermaids and signs but let's be clear i'm a witch
0: yeah. yeah you'll always be the piss witch I'm the
2: piss witch yeah, the piss witch
1: that we love <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah I'm, good. I'm glad of our choices
1: tragically though now it is time to leave imagination corner yeah.
0: get up our coats from our little cubby holes <laughs> and
1: leave the studio for the day <sighs> but thank you for listening our little monsters out there in the world <laughs> Oh wait, that's Lady Gaga, isn't it? Descend from the rooftop like a bat to kill me <laughs> off. She's <laughs> <laughs> doing the thing with the Super Bowl. The
0: Super Bowl a spider drop. Maybe. The Super Bowl
1: spider drop. Uh, <laughs> Thank you guys, as I said, for, for tuning in. It would be really awesome if you would uh, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes or your podcasting... Podcasting? That was a weird accent choice. Podcasting app of choice. It really helps us out. Or if you don't, do that, uh, share it with a friend.
0: Yes, word of mouth is the best form hmm. of advertising for podcasts.
1: As known.
0: Uh, we are also always accepting questions for our regular No Box Box Pop episodes. Please send us anything queer and nerdy and, or any other topics you want us to cover
1: mm-hmm. and uh, as always we want to thank Graham Waller, Audio Overlord and Master of the Sound Waves for our theme music, uh, he helps produce the podcast, uh, you can check out more of his work at grahamwaller.com and he's got a podcast too, The Mix Cave give it a listen if you're interested in sound engineering
0: um, if you want to get in contact with us we are boxed on included on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter and at gmail.com and we also have our individual Twitters
2: I'm Jade Oxford Rose,
1: I'm Hamish I'm here still <laughs>
2: And I'm Tarragon, spelled T-A-R-R-I-G-A-N. Not the... Not like the herb. I'm not Tarragon.
1: <laughs> um, and that's it for today. So until next time, I'm Jade Rose. I'm Hamish Dill. And I'm Melissa Trander. Don't let anybody box you in.